Well, great to be here with you and have people that are hungry for these things. And I know it's, it's stirring, and we need to be stirred, don't we? We need to be really stirred up inside. And so, uh, again, we're going to go back and just start off by just referring to that first scripture we started with, which is the theme, what the world is waiting for is the manifestation of the sons of God who are in intimacy with their father, who accurately represent their father, having a servant heart and honoring heart and a powerful anointing. Now you think about it, see, who understand their assignment and stay within the boundaries of that and don't mess around with someone else's. Why Jesus said, I finished my work. In other words, he he finished the things that the Father gave me to do. There was still lots of people weren't delivered, still lots of people weren't healed, but that wasn't his assignment. He He was assigned to certain ones. Came to the nation, and so everyone who came to him, he ministered to them and healed them. Those who didn't come to him, well, he empowered his disciples to carry on the same work. Okay, so what I want to talk about this time, I'll talk about sonship and heart transformation, heart transformation, because part of being a son is we need to accurately represent the Father. In 1 John 3, 2, it says, now we are the sons, that's children of God, meaning we haven't fully grown to maturity, and it does not yet appear what we shall be. But when he appears, we shall be like him. So that speaks to me. You and I are on a journey of transformation that should be ongoing. Let me tell you this. If you are not continuing in personal growth, you are stagnating. If you're stagnating, you're living out of yesterday's experience and anointing. We cannot stagnate. We must continue to grow in God, and the growing in God comes by intimacy. So intimacy opens up the parts of our heart where we're blocked, because those are the parts you're lonely and you are bound and you are locked up. Those are the parts where love doesn't enter and love doesn't flow. And we bring those things into our marriages, into our churches, into our leadership. And so as leaders, we should model then that we're on a journey of transformation that will go on all our life. And it'll only go on as long as you cooperate, let the Holy Spirit have access, and you are a willing participant in it. And if you're not willing to participate, and I'll share a little bit about that tonight, then you'll find yourself allied with a spirit that controls and shuts down the supernatural and also steals legacy and other things. I'll talk on that tonight. I want to move off track. I want to talk, focus pretty well on the heart and uh, transformation of the heart and, and some of the things. So let's, why is it then that the heart is so important? And Pastor Tim started to talk about that today. I want to give you a number of reasons why the heart of man is so important. And we're going to look at then some heart conditions and why it gets like that. And then the journey or the process of getting out of that place. Okay. So first of all, why is the heart so important? Most churches are concerned with behaviors, but behaviors are the fruit that point to a hidden root. So whatever you see happening outside reflects something from the inside. It is the fruit, the the behaviors, the way we do life and relationships that flows out of something within us. And so even if you take you somewhere else, you'll still manifest the same kind of things around you because if they're in you, they'll keep producing fruit. So... God's interest is always on the root, never just on the fruit. He is not worried about the funny behaviors and the weirdness that we get up to. He's more concerned about the transformation of the heart, because if you've got the heart, you've got the person. 
So let me share with you several reasons why the heart is so very important. And yet, think about it. When did you last hear someone preaching on the heart? Or how the heart gets into bondage? And how to recognize it's in bondage? And how to minister healing to the heart? When did you last hear that? See, the church has become motivational. There's nothing wrong with motivational. But if the heart isn't transformed, it's like wheel spinning. You get revved up, but you can't go anywhere because you soon run out of steam. You still go back to the old patterns, the old things, because the structures of bondage are still in place. It's like a riot in a prison camp. At the end, when it's all over, you're still in a prison camp. You're not free. Does that make sense? And a lot of stuff that goes on is like that. Everyone's like, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, oh, I love all of that. I love, give it to me. Pump that music up. Let's get it going. I love it all. But it's got to go deeper than just that. It's got to get right into the heart. But I love it. I love it. It's, it's highly expressive. Anyway, let me give you some reasons why the heart's so important. Number one, number one, the heart is the center of your identity. The heart is the center of your identity. Proverbs 27.3, as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. So the way you think, the way you think about yourself determines then the identity you'll live out. So when we got born again, we received a new identity. We've got the identity, but we still live out of the old because we haven't yet been changed in our thinking and our heart belief structures yet. So the person who's rejected after they've come to Christ still struggle with rejection until the truth of their acceptance is established in the heart and they can say, oh, I am. I am accepted. I am a child of God. I know it in my heart. So the heart is the center of your identity, who you are. As you think in your heart, so you are. And it says a man's heart is like water. It answers to, to the heart. In other words, you see your reflection in the water, so you see a man's heart, you'll see what they're really like. And we, we get caught up with what's external, with the giftings and abilities of people or the appearance of people, all the external trappings, and we get overwhelmed with that and fail to look at the heart. Pastors and leaders must look at the heart of people. We must become heart specialists because that's the, the thing that God is interested in. Here's another one. Secondly, the heart is the focus of God's attention. The heart is the focus of God's attention. 1 Samuel 16 verse 7 where Samuel is sent to find a new king who will rule Israel. He went to the house where David's father was, and he got all the sons out, and they come out. The first one comes out alive. He's tall and good-looking. He said, this must be the king. And, the father, and this is what God said to him. He said, I have rejected that man. And the word rejection is a very strong word, meaning I have utterly set that man aside as not qualified for this role. Now, the prophet, he looked a good man, but to God, God and, and then he said this, he said, for man looks on the outside, but God looks on the heart. So in other words, what God saw inside him in his heart was pride and arrogance, someone he couldn't use as a king. And they brought all the sons out, and he thought, this is the one, this is the one, this is the one. And then he gets there, and what the heck, what's going on here? Where's the... and, but God had told him, there's a son. So he says, is there anyone else here? So, oh, yeah, there's David, but we've got a problem with David. You know, there's a real question about how he was born, and there's a whole shame around his life, and actually we don't really include him in the family. We put him out there where he's in danger with the wild animals because actually we don't really see him being part of the family. He said, bring him in. And they brought him in. He said, that's the man. And, and this is what God said to David. This is a man after my own heart. Uh, so God has a heart. 
And this is what he said about David. So we know David, lots of things about David that, you know, you look at the failures and mistakes and all the things, but God looked on his heart. So what was there about his heart that God says, this man, this man I really love. I really love this man. So what he said, because he's a man after my own heart who will fulfill my will in this generation. So David, what it means to be a man after the heart of God, means his pursuit in worship was to discover the desires of God. Most people pursue God to get something. He pursued God to find out what God likes. And when he found out what God likes, he totally overturned the whole religious and worship structure of the day. Transformed it. He literally, you, you can imagine Moses, the historical figure, had established the pattern of worship. He got it on the mount. He was shown what to do. He was given the pattern on the mount. And there's this young upstart comes and he says, we're changing it all. You've got to have some pretty strong authority to be able to change something that's a historical tradition for the church's worship. He got rid of the whole lot except the ark. And then he established 24 worship, hours of worship, singing, praise, prophetic ministry. He stepped because he saw God's heart. He saw way into the future what God had in mind and what he really wanted. And these things were all just symbols. They had no power in them whatsoever. He saw that what God wanted was spirit worship. And so he bought it out of the age of grace. He bought it. He reached past the cross and bought it back into his age by revelation. Now, that, that's, that's really something. Just think about that. So before it was silent and only one man went, now everyone's got access and there's worship, there's music, there's trumpets, there's noise, there's dancing, there's laughing, there's singers. There's, you look at it. Let's look at it. And you see it's expressive and it's passionate and he's in it. Yeah. He fought on and he's in it. They're jumping up and down. That's why his wife hated him. Because you look at you despise him. Kings don't behave like that. But you're supposed to be a king. You don't behave like that. He said, oh, well. He says, I did it to the Lord and I'll do worse than that. You can't stop me. You can't wet blanket me. I did it to the Lord. So you see, yeah, so that's, he's a man after God's heart. Right. And God says in Acts 15, I'm going to restore what was taken away, this tabernacle of David. David had a passion for the heart of God. One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after. I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold His beauty and to inquire and fellowship with Him because I want to know His heart and then implement it for the generation I live in. If you're looking back at where church has been, you're looking in the wrong direction. We're going to look into the heart of God and be intimate with Him and find what is it you want to birth? What is it you want to do? I want to be a man after your heart and change what needs to be changed. The old system of someone, they're doing all the ministry. It's gone. It's history. It was never God's plan. He's got five whole ministries, apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, evangelists, empowering people. Rise up. Carry the power of God. Go out. Do something. Change the community. Pray for people. Get the creativity of God. Design things. Bring things into the earth. It's a whole new day. You've got to break out. Some of us are still back in Moses' tabernacle and we should be catching the heart of God. It's reformation time, revival time, a change time. To catch the heart of God. Anyway, we got sidetracked. We'll get back into the heart, heart again. So God's attention is always on the heart because God has a heart too. In his heart are his motivations. Anyway, the third thing is the heart is the focus of Jesus' ministry. You think of Jesus' ministry. When you look at his teachings, they're all concerned with the heart. He said, what well, you heard said, 
that, uh, you know, shalt not commit adultery, that's actions. He said, I'm telling you something different. He said, it's bigger and beyond that. He said, if you even look on a woman with lust in your heart, you've committed adultery. I want your heart pure. See, you said in the Old Testament, he said, well, don't kill people. He said, listen, I'm telling you now, when you've got anger and hatred in your heart, you've got the roots that cause the thing to happen. I want your heart to be free of anger. Can you say, everywhere he went, he, he dealt with the heart. When he stood up to announce his ministry, he said, Spirit of the Lord upon me, he's anointed me to proclaim, uh, to preach the gospel to the poor or reconnect people to my Father and then to heal their broken heart. Because if you don't heal their broken heart, they can't build intimacy and relationship. They must have their heart healed because they're shattered and broken. And why would you just overlook the pain and struggles that people have and not be willing to engage in healing them? Oh, get quiet now. Matthew 15, 18, he said, out of the heart flow the things that defile a person. There's not things outside you that defile you. You think, well, better avoid that. No, no, no. It's not about avoiding things. It's about being clean on the inside so the things outside you don't defile you. Jesus showed it with the leper. He showed physically what it looks like. He found a leper. The leper came to him, and, the, and, and it was advanced state of leprosy, totally unclean, totally defiling. It's a highly infectious disease. And his thinking is, but what's in me is, is more powerful than that. So he touched them. No one touched them. You didn't touch a leper. To touch a leper, you're ceremonially, ceremonially defiled, and you run the risk of being a leper yourself. Right. Didn't worry him. He said, nah, what's in me stronger than that? Boom. Touched them. Connected to him. Because yeah. his big pain was disconnection in the heart. Then he got healed as well. You see, so you'll, when you start to look at this, you'll see God, Jesus always concerned with the heart. What motivated people? Okay, so we've got to be concerned with the heart as well. Uh, let's just give you a few more reasons why the heart's so important. Uh, the, uh, the, the fourth thing is the heart uh, is the uh, the heart is the center or the center of the boundaries and borders of your life. In Proverbs four twenty three, uh, guard your heart diligently, for out of your heart flow the issues of your life. Or the word issues is the word borders or boundaries of the territory. So in other words, the limitations of your life are determined by what you believe in your heart. If you have poverty in your heart, no matter what you have, you'll always see poverty. How about that? Here's, here's another reason why the heart is important. Because you interpret life from your heart. You see it with your eyes, but that's just signals. You interpret it with your heart. So in other words, when people say and do things, they just said and did something. It's you who decides what that means because you judge it in your heart. So Matthew 7, he said, don't judge. Learn not to judge. Be an observer, not a judge. You've got no idea really what's going on. And he said, if you, if you become a judge, then you're just going to start to reap things in your life because it's in your heart. The judgments you have in your heart will be a cycle you keep reaping in your life. That's why patterns keep forming, because there's judgments in the heart. He said, first get the beam out of your own eye, then you'll see clearly. In other words, what's in our heart stops us seeing clearly. We just don't see people. We see them through what's in our heart. So someone just ignores you. What does that mean? It doesn't mean anything. It just maybe they didn't see you. I don't know what it means. You won't really know unless you actually ask them. And we jump to conclusions and judgments what it means. Yeah. And we don't engage the person to find out because our heart has got the judgment and the offense in it already. Right. So if you've got an offense in your heart, people will offend you all the time. Yeah. 
If you're offended with your father or your mother, you'll be offended by authority figures all your life. You won't even see possibility that you could be wrong. You will interpret their actions always in terms of what's in your heart. That's why your heart's so important. That's what is the cause of so many problems in marriages. We miscommunicate, and instead of asking for clarification, we jump to conclusion what that might have meant out of what's in our heart. Our heart then defiles the relationship. That's why it says, uh, it says, it, God, it says in, uh, in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15, beware lest you fall from the grace of God and bitterness, a root of bitterness springs up. Where does it spring up? In your heart. Bitterness springs up when you've allowed offenses to accumulate. You become angry, resentful, and then bitterness is there. When people are bitter, they don't even know why they're bitter. They're just negative about everything. They've long ago lost what caused them the problem, but the fruit of bitterness flows out of their life, and it says it poisons every relationship. It doesn't matter whether you're a pastor or not. It's got nothing to do with the role you play. It's got to do with your heart. Your heart's bitter. Bitterness flows everywhere you are. Well, you see why the heart's so important. And so you try to counsel people in marriage or counsel people in life. Uh, if you just try to deal with behaviors and don't deal with the heart, you'll never get lasting change. They'll be inspired, but they won't change. Uh, if, if, fifthly, um, uh, the heart is the center of faith. The heart is the center of faith and trust. So Proverbs 3, verses um, 4 through to 6, it tells us that trust in the Lord with all your. So trust is an issue of the heart. So if you have experienced betrayal or disconnection in the earliest years of your life, say there was no bonding with a mother, you've never learned to trust because the first bonding that would have formed trust has not been formed. So suspicion and distrust become the thing that grow in your heart and affect all relationships. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. So trust is an issue of the heart. Lean not on your own reasoning or understanding. In all your ways, be intimate with him and he will direct your ways. In Romans 10, 10, uh, a man believes with his heart. So faith, the faith for miracles is in the heart. Also, unbelief is in the heart. So where people have found, where people have been rejected and they come to conclusion, I'm not good enough, it's hard for them to believe for any miracles for themselves. Because inside their heart is conflicted with what the Word of God says, the heart needs to be healed. Where's the Word of God sown? The Word of God is sown in your heart. And it can bring forth fruit or not bring forth fruit depending on the condition of your heart. Most people, when they hear that parable of the sower and the seed, put themselves somewhere. They never think I might be the wayside. Not, oh, I'm here in church. And I wouldn't be the rocky ground. No, no, I'm here every week. And I, I, wouldn't be the, I wouldn't be the thorny ground. No, no, I'm serving in the church. Yeah. Isn't it wonderful how we kind of, well, 30, 60, 100. Well, I'm just being modest. I'm 30-fold. <laughs> so somehow we put ourselves in there, not thinking that actually in one part of our life, we may actually be really bearing fruit, but in another part, really barren, hard, hard ground. Yeah. And often that's in family. Oh, wow. oh. It's the heart. It's really important. It, 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 just give me one more scripture. In the last days, 
the condition in the earth of hardness of heart will be so great that God has to send a revival to turn the hearts of the children to the fathers and the fathers to the children. He, he would not send an end time move like that unless there's a major issue with hearts, disconnected relationships in marriages and families. It will be so great, it will need a revival to repair the damage. And Elijah, we'll touch on him tonight, but Elijah had to confront what was the substitute for the reality of God's spirit and love, which was a controlling power. So whenever the heart is damaged, if we don't get it healed, we will come under a controlling spirit. And we will become controllers. Oh, it's getting really quiet now. It's someone I'm talking about. I can't be you though. Okay, let's go on. Eh? I'm going to go on to something lighter. So the, the heart is where you experience and carry the presence of God. Your heart is where you experience and carry the presence of God. In Ephesians 3, verse 16, 17, it says, His prayers will be strong, strengthened with might in the inner man, so that what? So that Christ may dwell in your heart by faith. Well, our spirit is joined to the Lord, but the manifestation of his presence where we feel him is in our heart. But if your heart has got walls, you don't feel the presence of God. You know he's there by faith in your spirit. You're born again. But you don't feel it because the feeling of God is in the heart. The emotions that you feel are a reflection of your heart speaking. Romans 5 verse, 4, 5, verse 5 says, Now the love of God is shed abroad, where? Out of our hearts. So where is the love of God felt and experienced? In your heart. And it flows from your heart if you have revelation of it. And so all ministry should be flavored with the revelation of the love of God, not with the gender to be important. So you're prophesying if there's no love in it, it's like clanging because people feel God isn't. I see what you're doing, but actually something's missing. Yeah. I don't feel the love. Yeah. Oh, Tim, we looked at something. I was here last year and Tim said, oh, he looked at something to be done. He said, oh, I don't feel the love in that. I thought, man, that's a great statement. Yeah. I can't feel the love in it. I see what's done, but I don't feel the love. The love is the heart part in it. The love is the investment of the heart. And so this is one of the reasons relationships break down. We don't feel the love. Because the heart has become hardened by all kinds of things. Disappointments and griefs and setbacks and other things. And, and so this, the, the flow is reduced. Now, here's the, uh, another thing then. The heart is the place where sin or faith is conceived. Matthew 5.28, we saw that adultery is conceived in the heart. And finally... The heart is the center of your motivation. Your motives are the motives of the heart. Hebrews 4 verse 12, uh, it talks about, the, um, talks about the word of God being sharper than any two-edged sword, uh, piercing to the dividing sunder of soul and spirit, and the intents and motives of the heart. So the intentions that drive you, the motives that drive you, really come out of what's going on in your heart. And if you don't connect with your heart, how will you know what really moves you? That's why we've got to be tender in the presence of the Lord and, and allow him access to our heart so he can show us the places where actually there's a hidden agenda behind a lot of what we do. So we can represent him accurately. God has no agenda except to love you. Love is a gift to you. 
But we, we kind of get caught up with this thing where actually I'm, I've got a leverage in here. I want to get something. That's why I'm doing this and this and this. That's what makes it all political and it makes it uh, something missing in it. And you can actually feel it. One of the things I've loved about coming to Asia and I love about Asians is they're acutely sensitive to anyone who has an agenda. They just feel it like that. And what's given me ability to be there is just to love people with a pure heart. So it's given me access and favor to people. I've accessed this two, three family dynasties uh, pretty well run Taiwan financially. I've access to two of them as a friend. They will come to me because of nothing I ha they have that I want. I just want to be their friend and love them and help them. I would never, it would offend me to even consider the money issue because that would wreck the relationship. I'm here to love them and, and to help them because they have an influence in society. If I can help and empower them, they'll touch people I could never reach. But you, you understand you can't have an agenda if you're going to do that. You've got to, the only agenda is to love the people and empower them and heal them where they need healing. There's got to be that purity around it, and that's why we, we're to grow mature in love. Okay, So there are many, the Bible talks about many different heart conditions. I encourage you to look at them and discover some of them. The most obvious one is the condition of a broken heart. Psalm 147 verse 3, the Lord heals the broken heart and binds up all their wounds. So uh, Jesus came to announce that he healed the broken heart. But the, the heart can be broken. The heart can be fearful. The heart can be bitter, very bitter. A heart can be very hard. Heart can be angry. People got anger in their heart, they're just angry all the time. They don't even know why they're angry. They stir up, they're like a ball, just waiting to go off. Just a little thing will set them off because there's a whole lot of unresolved offenses in the heart. A heart can be numb or disconnected. This is the condition that many men are in, but also many women who've been traumatized. So, for example, Tamar in the Bible, when she was sexually abused by her brother, the, the Bible tells us this, she remained numb and devastated in the house. In other words, that's the word numb, a disconnected heart. A disconnected heart is where, let me give you an example of it, disconnected heart is where you've had so much pain that you have literally shut down engaging the pain as your way of dealing with it. Instead of getting it healed, you've buried it is buried alive, and the consequence is you become hardened and don't feel anymore. And many people can't feel things because their heart is hardened. I prayed for one pastor's wife. She hadn't felt love in 40 plus years. And the reason was her father rejected her and wanted only boys, so she made the decision she would have to shut down the emotional side of herself and compete with the men. And in doing that, the spirit of death came around to shut her heart up, and all her life she never felt anything until we got her delivered and healed, and then she felt lots of things. Then, then actually, her identity came out, because this is the word I had. I said to her, I said, I, I can, what I see is that you're in a cave hiding. I cannot see the real you. And she tried to avoid me, of course, like crazy. But I said to the pastor, so I'm coming to your church. And uh, I don't need to preach, but I'm going to meet your wife. We're going to talk. And so I helped them with this process of getting her free. And it changed their marriage completely. It changed her. She's just like radiating with life. And another person I can think of now. And uh, her mother had a, a, a terrible uh, miscarriage, incredibly painful. 
traumatic. And so when she got pregnant again, she'd never been healed because then that faith moves. So you've got to praise God, glory to God, well, I'll go on. In other words, what you do is you murder your heart. So while we need to hold the word of God, it's got to be in the heart if the heart's wounded. Heal the heart, then put the word in. Don't just, out of willpower, try to do something to try and overcome something that really needs healing. And so what she did was she put a wall around her heart so she wouldn't be hurt in the next pregnancy by a possible loss. Here's the consequence. Her daughter experienced deep rejection, deep disconnection, and would not bond with her mother. And so the mother and daughter were hostile all their lives. How about that? The heart. And she said, I have never been able to work out why I had the conflict. Now I get it. I'm angry from the womb at being rejected. I need to repent and forgive. I never realized that. Isn't that amazing? Oh, so I found this. I actually love all of this stuff. Because everywhere I go, everywhere I go, people's story is so interesting. And nothing's like what it appears to be. What you see is not real. It's just the outward thing. What you really got to see is the heart. When you see the heart, you think, oh, oh, sometimes I'm just crying with people. What they've gone through is so sad. It's so, how could people still survive all of that? And, and the church, they've got, they've got them sitting in the church every week, needing healing, needing a ministry to the heart. So, so, so heart transformation. So the hidden roots in the heart produce external fruits and behavior. You need to deal with them. So God's plan for transformation starts on the inside. So how does God change us? See, religion will try and change you externally by forming a culture or a pressure to conform in a certain way. And so you'll find when there's religion or religious spirit, it'll always try to control you to perform and reject you if you don't play the game. You can never really be you. You have to conform. And so, of course, you're lonely all the time and you're pretending. And, and you have to live within this thing. And, and so, but, but when God changes us, he changes from the heart. He wants truth in the inward parts. Yeah. You know, David wrote, you delight in truth in the inner parts. Not lies, not cover-ups, not pretending. God wants truth in the inner parts. So how does God change us? Number one, he solves the power problem by putting a spirit in us. So we become born again, meaning God's spirit joins to our spirit. Internally, we have a power source, and that power source is called the Holy Ghost. And when he's in our heart, he says, you know what? I want to reveal to you over and over again, you're a child of God. See, the Holy Spirit bears witness without spirit that we are the children of God. So he tells you you're a child of God. You're accepted, you're loved, you belong. Dad, you've got a father who loves you, cares for you. He's got a plan for your life. So he puts the power, he puts the identity on the inside, shifts it now. This is who I am. I'm totally transformed, but there's an outworking of that. The other thing he says in Ezekiel 36, I'll put a heart of flesh. So he puts a new spirit, that's the Holy Spirit, but then he puts a heart of flesh because it was stony before. It didn't believe God, didn't want God, rebelled against God. It was stony in that respect. But after we've come to the Lord, our heart has become changed towards God, but not completely healed. It's just changed in its orientation. We now have a tender heart. We actually want to please God. You talk to people, they want to please God. They still know how. Holy Spirit helps us how. So, so the heart, however, the heart is still in a damaged condition and it needs transformation. You transform the heart, you transform the person. But it cannot take place without the Holy Ghost, right. the anointing of the Holy Ghost, and your willing participation. 
This is a life journey of transformation on the inside out. So we get hung up with all the mistakes and failures and things, get condemned, devil accuses you, tells you no good, this, 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 all that sort of stuff. God's not even worried a toot about that because he already paid the price for all of it to be forgiven. He just wants your heart. If your heart's towards him, then even if you're up and down, it doesn't make any difference. He's still helping you all the way. You've got to find where the heart is. Capture the heart, you've got the person. He wants your heart. That's why he said, love the Lord with all your heart. Well, here's a question. If your heart has been shattered, how can you love him with all your heart? You can love him with the part you're conscious of, but the other broken bits are going to need to be healed and repacked, restored. That's why David said, unite my heart. It's all fractured. It's, I've got little bits over here that are hurt. I buried them there. Another bit hurt. And I fractured that one off there. Another bit over here. And I've, I've got all these parts in my life, all these things in my life, and I've just buried them all here. And I've got a pile of pain. But in my heart, in the core of me, I love you and I want to serve you. But the other stuff caused me to malfunction. God says, it's okay, I accept you and love you. Let's just walk the journey. You be committed to pursuing me and being intimate and allow me access. Leave me to do the work with your heart. Beautiful. Beautiful, Isn't that amazing? So how does God do the work with your heart? Well, he just engineers a few circumstances and you suddenly hear yourself. Where did that come from? And if you'll just stop and go quiet a little bit and listen, the Holy Spirit will tell you exactly where it came from. A wounded heart somewhere. An offense in the heart, anger unresolved, resentment unresolved. See, everyone is trying to change the world around them and change themselves. Change yourself. You'll change the world. Start with yourself. Yeah, exactly. Change your own world. Yeah, change your own world. Exactly. Anyway, so God heals the broken heart. And the word broken means to be shattered into pieces, means to be crippled or quenched. So when our heart has been wounded by events in life, it becomes shattered or crippled or unable to function. So you go like... You can get yourself through life like that. But people can't see that. But in the spirit, that's what it's like. Yeah. Your leg's broken and you're dragging it behind you and say, why won't he run? I don't know why he won't run. Why won't you run? Yeah. In this church, you need to run. Run, brother. You know. <laughs> you, you understand? It's like putting a pressure to do something that they can't do. They're powerless to do it. The woman who was bowed down with a spirit of infirmity, it said she had no power to stand up. She had a demon on her. That's where a lot of Christians are. They've got demons riding on them, having access into the wounds and the brokenness, and they're hunched up and oh, they can't go anywhere. Come on. Wow. They need healing and deliverance. Yeah, That's what his ministry was. Heal the brokenhearted, deliver the captives. Come on. The word wound means literally to be an idol. He heals the broken heart, binds up all the wounds. The word wound is an idol. An idol is a substitute for God that you end up serving and become angry with. So when you've got a wound in your heart, you end up serving it. It controls your life. Because now you know what will happen? Instead of wanting to love people, now I'm going to hold myself back and I've got to guard myself. You might hurt me. So now the, what's, what's governing my life is the pain in my heart and the spirit driving it of the spirit of fear rather than actually the love of God. Yeah. You understand why he needs to deal with these things. We want God to touch those areas. Lord, touch my heart, heal my heart, whatever it is. And Jeremiah, of course, makes the complaint in Jeremiah 6, 14. My people have healed. They've healed the heart of my people lightly, saying, peace, brother, peace. But there's no peace. There's war in the heart. The people need healing. 
in your ministry, do you have a process for healing the broken heart? Do you have a process for setting the captives free? Is there a process in place? Do you celebrate that this is part of everyone's journey or do you allow them to come in, take them through a little bit of a program, connect them in, take the money and now and get them serving, but their hearts are still broken and there's no process to, to heal them and restore them. We need to be committed to do that because that is Jesus' ministry. And you don't want to have people broken. If your children are hurting, you know what a mother does? They run, fuss over them, get them and bind them all up and hug them and reassure them. They do something. The church is a mother to, it, to God's family. We need to do that and heal them and bind them all up. So there are many ways that people can have a broken heart. I'll have to move through this now. But let me, I mean, there's many. But it's either things that happen to us or things that are withheld from us break the heart. Things that happen to us or things that are removed or that we need for life and they are withheld. So just give you a few examples. Uh, deep rejection will break the heart. Abandonment will break the heart. Abuse will break the heart. Sexual abuse. Verbal abuse. Emotional abuse. Well, abuse of any kind shatters the heart, cause wounding, varies from person to person. Being bullied. Being hated just because of who you are. All of these things break the heart. Being in an unstable, unpredictable, unsafe environment will break the heart. Going through loss and grief break the heart. Betrayal breaks the heart. These are things people have happened to them. Controlling relationships break the heart and cause people to feel deeply rejected. But sometimes in some families, it's not what was actively done. It's just because of various reasons, what was needed was withheld, and that was what broke the heart. We have certain needs we're born into this life with, uh, love and acceptance. When people are not loved and cherished, it affects them. They begin to make conclusions why I'm not lovable. If, someone's, if acceptance is withheld because, for example, you're a woman rather than a, uh, a female rather than a male, this, this affects your whole identity then. So, so you understand that if there's a lack of nurture, lack of nurture, simple thing like being um, prematurely born and then put in an incubator for a while, that will affect the child. Being separated from a mother affects the child. I know, I've gone through both of those. It affects, it affects you deeply because the bonding that should have happened doesn't happen. The nurture that should have happened doesn't happen. And then you're affected and wounded and come to conclusions about yourself and life. And demons use all that to manipulate and torment you. Lack of touch. Lack of touch and affection affects people. Lack of just affection, just a hug and a touch. You know, some families don't touch or don't hug. That's, it, it affects the child. There's some, it's a part, one way love is communicated, just through touch and hugging. Um, a lack of affirmation, that's one of the major ones, is the father's role is to affirm and speak into the sons and daughters. When that's withheld, they don't know what to believe about themselves. So they believe the lies of the devil. There's something wrong with me, not good enough. Never good enough. And then they get angry, and then you've got rebellion going on. You don't even know why it's there, but there was a withholding of what would have nurtured the plant. You know, we, I have trouble with plants. <laughs> I don't know what happens. I have them one day, and then they're dead. I don't know what happens. <laughs> Seems like one day anyway. Somehow they die, and so I don't even bother now. It's just too hard for me. I'm just not into it. But you understand, it's, it's, they didn't die because it was a, not, a bad place or anything. They're in a lovely place and lots of sun. It's just... The thing they needed wasn't given. They didn't get the water. Simple. So you can hurt people if you don't give them the right things. See, the lack of welcome, just the lack of celebration, just a child unwanted, 
and then being unwelcome because of some shortfalls or whatever or difficulties, all of that has dramatic effect on the heart of the child. So these are some of the ways that people get hurt. And Jesus came to heal it. He came to heal it. Do you realize that one of the things Jesus, one of the things Jesus took for us was a broken heart? In Psalm 69, it tells us, reproach has broken my heart. I sought for comfort and there was none for help and no one would help. Isn't that, I read that just weep when I read it, even sharing it, that, that actually the treatment that Jesus received broke his heart. It's how he can heal broken hearts. He's, he's represented our broken heart. He's, he's taken our pain to the cross. He, he took all of those things to the cross. So what would be some keys? I think the first thing is to recognize it's a journey you take. It's a journey you take. Psalm 84, verse 4 to 6, blesses the man whose strength is in the Lord, whose heart embraces pilgrimage or the journey, who passes through the valley of tears and makes it into a well. That person will go from strength to strength. So what it's saying simply is there is a process. We walk with God, and in that journey, when we let him heal the places of pain, they become a place we can comfort others. So whatever hurt you, whatever came into your life that damaged and hurt you, if you let God into it to heal you, not only will your life change, you will be empowered to help others. Someone is waiting for your breakthrough. Someone needs you to break through to testify of the reality of the power of the risen Christ. Someone needs you to do that. And if you will hold back then you're not only perpetuating the pain, you're multiplying its impact rather than experiencing healing and being able to minister to someone else. Here's, here's one other thought you might like to, this is something the Lord showed me. Mo many people look back on their family at some of the things that happened in this deep, it varies, some, for some it's quite a happy family, for others it was, there was a lot of grief and trauma and all kinds of dramas going on. Have you thought of this, that maybe, maybe, God, who could see all of this, put you into that family to end the generational cursing in the family, to bring the pattern to an end and generate a new pattern for the next generation, that you are actually a gift to the family, a gift from God to that family to end the cycle of pain and start a different pattern different fathering, different mothering, different family building. You're actually building something different, not repeating the, the stuff that went on that hurt you. Absolutely. Have you thought of that? You'll find it in Isaiah 61, that they might repair the desolation of generations. You're not called just to be healed in your heart for yourself. You're called to be healed in your heart so you can carry the heart of God and rebuild the damage. The damage that's been done in families, damage been done in young people, the damage that's done in our society. Someone has to rebuild that. And those who let God into their heart to heal their heart can see clearly to heal the heart of others. The more I've let God into my heart, the more I've wept and let Him deal with my pain, the more empathy and compassion I have for others. And the more easy it is for me to see it when I'm with people. No matter how you hide it, you can hide it all you like. It just leaks like tears. It just leaks out. It cannot be hidden for those who have an eye to see. But if you aren't hidden, if your heart is still hard, you just don't see. You can't see. You just get people behaving and performing. How we need leaders that are healed.
that embrace the journey of healing and give permission to their people to do the same. They're not gonna present an image, so I got it all together, but rather I'm on a journey of healing and wholeness and I have my challenges, my personal life and ministry, whatever, but I want you to know that God is committed to me and I'm committed to the journey and I'm creating a safe environment for you to be committed to that journey. But when we cover it, then no one can face this stuff. They just carry the burdens of loneliness. How, how can we journey? Well, we realize, first of all, it is a journey. Second, you need to ask the Holy Spirit to bring revelation to your heart where you're broken, where you're not functioning. He'll bring it. Maybe someone will yell at you and tell you. There's lots of ways you've got to get in your attention. Maybe the problem you're having right now, you're looking at the other person instead of saying, God, what is this revealing about me? You understand when you're looking at someone else, you can never change your life. You just got to look at what am I doing? How am I, is the love of God manifest in my heart and life or is there something else? So we need to then ask the Holy Spirit, uncover, where was I hurt? Who hurt me? What did they do? How did that feel? You see, we spent all our life trying to stop feeling. Then we say, God, I don't feel you. Hey, why don't you ask this prayer? Holy Spirit, show me where I stop feeling and shut my heart up. I surrender control. How did I feel? How did I respond? How did this affect my life? What did I do to protect myself? Because all of that I've got to undo in order to let God in. Is there someone I need to forgive from my heart? Notice what Jesus said, forgive from the heart. To forgive from the heart, you've got to connect to the pain. Oh, is there an easier way? No. Well, I've been spending all my life trying to stop the pain. No, no. Now you have permission to feel it and bring it to the cross. This time you don't have to control it. You can let God heal it. See? Is, is there someone I need to forgive? Do I need to break my agreement with lies or with vows I made to protect my heart? Lies about myself, lies about men, lies about women, lies about life, lies about God, lies about money. Have I agreed with things that now dominate my life? That's what runs my life. I believed a lie. I've had people do that. I had one woman that was having, she had a fifth miscarriage. When we got down to the root of it, basically she hated the father and made vows, I'll never carry a male child another woman and she'd gone through some terrible terrible thing and she so hated being a woman she cursed her own womb and then had major problems that went after that see we, we do things to try and manage the pain and they create another layer of problems demons access those things then I need to establish the truth in my heart what is the truth meditate on the truth ask the Holy Spirit to build it into your life I am loved I am lovable I'm my Father's delight. I'm accepted. I am safe. My Father has my back. I've always got Him with me. See, you need the truth to enter your heart. It comes through meditation. Is there something you need to put right? Someone you need to apologize to? Because you behave so badly, you also contributed to the problem. You need to just humble yourself and say, I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. Now, there are patterns you need to change in how you deal with life. Do you understand? That's what heart transformation looks like. It's painful. That's why people don't want to do it. But it's fruit-bearing because you change. One breakthrough will change your life. 
My marriage changed when I saw I was bitter and I realized why I was bitter and repented and confessed it to my wife and to the Lord and, and, and asked for forgiveness and it was put right. See, otherwise, if we don't do these things, if we don't let God have access to our heart, how can you struggle through ministry? Man, people do some stuff. We need help. Help of the Holy Ghost. He'll help you. Why don't we just close our eyes, open our hearts. Holy Spirit, come. Perhaps as some of you right now, as I've just talked, I feel the Spirit of God is on you now. And you've been in a turmoil, but it's starting to clear. Actually, I have an issue I need to face. You're not responsible for someone else's stuff. Just sort your own out. When you're changed, everything around you changes. The people who most become most angry when you set boundaries are the ones who benefited most when you didn't have them. So change is not always easy because people react and try to get us back to the way we were. But you're called to be free, free to fulfill your cause, free to be intimate with Father, free to have a free heart, free to be who you are, free, free in your heart and soul and spirit, free to fulfill what God called you to. So perhaps today God's speaking to you right now and you say, God, I just need you to touch me now. I don't want to miss the moment. There's something I need to bring to you. There's something I need to let go of. It is a journey, but it starts with a step. So why don't you just make a step to the front today and say, God, I I realize my heart is aching. I just want to come and say, I'm hearing you talking to me. I want to open up my heart and surrender control and give you access to my heart and to begin the journey of owning the responsibility for my own heart. I want to guard my heart and nurture my heart because this is what's causing the limitations on my life. Why don't we all stand right now and there'll be people who want to come. Just come right now. You know what it is. Maybe something in ministry. It may be something from your background. Maybe something with a parent. Maybe an issue from church. Maybe an issue with leadership. Leaders are people too. They do dumb stuff as well. <laughs> Some of my worst pains have been pastors. My, my, my. Well, I got through that too. Still going strong because of the grace of God. Thank you, Lord. Come on, perhaps you're here today and you say, God, touch my heart. And I want you just to look at me. I want you to lean out to the Holy Spirit. When I'm gone, the Holy Spirit's still here for you. And whatever you're facing right now, I want you to just pray in the Spirit and start to pour your heart out to the Lord. Holy Spirit, I'm so hurting in this area. Try to put a name on it. What, who caused that hurt? What caused that hurt? How did it affect me? How did I try and cope with it? How did I protect myself? Lord, I repent. I invite you in right now. I say, come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. His presence is here now. Holy Spirit, come and heal the broken hearts. Holy Spirit, right now, Lord, unlock the hearts that are here today, that are locked up with fear, with grief, with disappointment, with rejection. Holy Spirit, come and touch people today. Come upon people, Lord, people that are struggling. 
struggling in their personal life, struggling in ministry, struggling with relationships, struggling in marriage, struggling with a child. What was in their life is now repeated and the ache and the pain is overwhelming. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. Come and touch people. Come and touch people. Reveal the heart of the Father. Come and touch people now. Is this someone you need to forgive? Why don't you just begin to do that right now? Forgive them from your heart. Let it go. Let it go. Let it go. Let it go. Is there bitterness? Repent of it. Is there anger and hatred in your heart? Bring it to the cross. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. (laughs) Sons can run to their father. The prodigal son was in pain and his father saw him while he was a long way off and he was moved with compassion. His eyes filled with tears of longing for his son again. And overlooking all of the crowd, he ran to his son and hugged him and held him, wrapped his arms around him and kissed him. That's what father's like. He's not holding anything against you. He loves his children. The moment you open your heart to Him, He comes to you. Holy Spirit, come. Begin to come and touch people. Holy Spirit, come on people. Touch, touch Lord right now. Touch, Father, heal the grief and the rejection. Lord, right now, touch her. All that pain that's been in her heart. Lord, we just, Lord, remove the pain right now, the grief. I come against every accusing word that tells you it's my fault. It's always my fault. I break that lie right now in Jesus' Name. Let it go, let it go, let it go. I break the control that's been over your life. All these years, controlled, never been able to think or do for yourself. I just loose it off your life right now in Jesus' Name. Father, touch Him, touch Him, touch Him. Father, heal His heart, heal His heart. The loneliness, I see you carrying deep loneliness in your heart. Disconnected for so long. Father, in Jesus' Name, I break the root of rejection. I break the lie, I'm unacceptable. Something's wrong with me. I break the lie, I'm not good enough. Loose right now, in Jesus' Name. Touch Him, touch Him, touch Him. Lord, touch His heart. Father, touch His heart. Father, touch her. Touch her, Lord, touch her. Father, heal her today. That's right, Lord, let go of the control. Let go of all that control. Father, I break generational control through women in this family. I break the control in Jesus' Name. Father, I release Your love, Your presence. Lord, touch Your heart right now. I speak to the disappointment and the bitterness. In Jesus' Name, right now. Touch Him. Let it go right now. Father, touch Him. Father, touch Him. Touch Him. Father, touch Him. If I touch Him right now, in Jesus' Name. Father, touch Him. Father, touch Him. Father, the griefs and the disappointments of ministry. Father, touch Him. Touch Him right now, in Jesus' Name. Father, touch Him. Touch Him. Father, heal a heart. Father, draw the grief out. Holy Spirit, draw the grief. I see you carrying the burdens of many other people, the burdens of their failures, people not being responsible. And you've gone and you've picked it all up, but you've done that all your life. You've done it all your life, right from your family. When there was failure in your family, you felt burdened to pick it all up. Father, I take authority over the trauma of what happened in a family of origin. I break the spirit of trauma. I come against the rejection. I break it off your life. I come against the fear. What will happen to me? What will happen to me? I come against that deep root of fear. 
I break it off your life. I release you from the burden of carrying irresponsible people. I break that burden. I release you from the grief. All these years carrying these people, all these years giving out your life to ungrateful people. Loose you right now, Jesus' name. Father, touch her, Father, touch her, touch her, touch her, touch her. I break the lie, not good enough. I break the lie, not good enough. I see words condemning you, criticizing you. God wants to heal your heart. He loves you deep. There is the presence of God right now. Father, touch her, touch, touch Holy Ghost right now. Father, touch, touch her, Father. Father, release the burden she's carrying. So easily you pick up burdens. So easily you pick up responsibility. Father, in Jesus' Name, I take authority over the shame. I break the spirit of shame off your life. I release you into your identity. I release you into your destiny. I break the lie that I'm not good enough. In Jesus' Name, right now. Father, touch her. Father, touch her. Touch her. You serve quietly. You serve quietly behind the scenes. But deep in your heart, there's been loneliness. God wants to enter the loneliness wants to bring healing to your heart. Loose her right now in Jesus' Name. Touch her. Father, touch him, touch him, touch him, touch him. I come against the roots of rejection. Loose in Jesus' Name right now. Father, touch him, touch him. Father, touch him. Father, touch him. Loose in Jesus' Name right now. Father, touch him, touch him. You've been through a warfare, son. You've been through a warfare. You haven't been able to work it all out, reason it all out, but God has given you grace to stand. And now's the season of starting to open your heart. It's okay now to let go. There's been turmoil, there's been words, there's been a warfare of words, a warfare of things. The Lord says He'd come to heal you, to bring healing to your heart, healing to your spirit. Father, in Jesus' Name, I break every attack of witchcraft. Be loosed in Jesus' Name right now. Thank you, Lord. Father, touch Him, touch Him. Father, touch Him. Touch Him, Father, heal His heart. I just speak affirmation into your heart. I release the love of a Father into your heart. You've had to do everything on your own. You've had to do everything on your own. There's been a loneliness in your life. There's been a tremendous grief and a fear. I'll not be good enough. People won't accept me. In Jesus' Name, I break your agreement with that fear. Loose him right now in Jesus' Name. Let him go. Release him. I release you from that burden you've carried. In Jesus' Name. Thank you, Father. Touch, touch. Father, touch. Father, pour your love. Father, I just release the Father's love, the Father's blessing. Spirit of God, touch His heart. Touch Him in the depth of His heart. Father, in Jesus' Name, I speak right to the root in your family with your Father. I just break rejection. I break grief. I release your spirit and heart to feel. I release your heart to engage. I release your heart to connect. Father, touch Him today. Touch Him, touch Him, touch Him, touch Him. Father, take the grief, years of grief, years of pain, years of struggling, driven by the need to prove He's good enough. I break that in your life today, in Jesus' Name. I release peace to your heart. Thank you, Lord. Touch, touch Him, Father, touch Him. In Jesus' Name right now, touch, Lord. Touch, Lord, touch, touch, Lord. Yeah. Yeah. Can Tim get involved? Tim, Tim, could you get involved? Do some praying? Help with the